Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's episode, we're going to be talking Golden Globe nominations. You guys were both up at 4.30. Who can remember these things? Yeah. Who can remember these details it's a time from that does weeks not ago? actually exist. Weeks ago. It was yesterday. What? No, it was yesterday. That's not. It that was can't yesterday. be. I don't, I don't think It happened right. yesterday. Leo, you're an untrustworthy source, as we've gone over repeatedly on this podcast you are the rube and we are the experts we know when we were awake for the golden globes and when were you awake for the golden globes three and a half years ago this is millions and millions of little screens can't you shut up i'm busy boy what a great show all right and now it's time for the clicker our recap of the biggest news items from this past week we're gonna start with a little watchman news Ben, so HBO released some more ratings numbers? We did. We got some more Watchmen ratings, uh, which is which is something we've been waiting for for a little bit. Uh, the the dailies, the stuff, the, the, the overnights have been pretty much the same uh, throughout these first seven episodes, which I think we've got what we got the ratings for now. Um, but what we learned was that the the streaming numbers, the live plus sevens, the the average viewership basically across all platforms for HBO is much, much higher uh, as you know, is the standard these days with television. People watch on their own time. They watch whenever they want, um, however many times they want. And Watchmen is averaging 7.1 million viewers per episode, which is great. It's a great number. So Watchmen is actually doing incredibly, incredibly well. Um, Variety, who first reported the story, uh, was quick to ask at the end of it if this you know, pretty much cemented the fact that they're going to make a season two. Obviously, we've had those discussions before. We don't know the future of the of the show exactly, but everybody is, seems pretty happy with the number that's out there. And, and 7.1 million is definitely very good for premium cable. Where would that number put it? In it's the most, it's premium cable's most popular new series of the year. Um, and it's HBO's most watched new series since the first season of Big Little Lies. I mean, and that's not nothing. Big Little Lies took debuted and and maybe more importantly the awards circuit by storm (laughs) (laughs) i mean i like that you phrased it by storm when you say the awards circuit especially since the big little big little lies yeah it did really well in its first season and then all of a sudden we're like oh wait 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 there's going to be a season two, so then it's shifting from limited series to drama series, and then it's causing all of this hullabaloo in 2019, uh, well, 2020 awards races. So, yeah. Uh, guys, there's uh, some news that hit the wire this morning, I guess, uh, and number one fan of the pod and co-worker, Steve Green, was so excited he jumped into your office to let you guys know. But it turns out he was just very excited that Michael Chabon's uh, seminal work, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, is going to be turned into a uh, miniseries. Showtime's making it, and uh, both Chabon and wife Islet Waldman are both on board for it um, and have signed an overall deal with CBS. It's very exciting because this is the first project after Shabon has been, Shabon was attached with CBS, obviously, to um, showrun their new Picard Star Trek series. But both Shabon and Waldman um, were involved with Netflix's brilliant limited series, Unbelievable. And so that was an adaptation. <laughs> so they should be good at ad- uh, adapting things. They've been practicing for this, basically, yeah. is what it seems like. Well, the thing is, this is... They've this... been building up to adapting something that a lot of people have said is, is going to be a, a big challenge. Well, I mean, it's based on Chabon's novel, 2000 novel, 
won the 2001 Pulitzer Prize. Um, it is, and, and this is partially why I can't believe you haven't read it. It's it's a it's about superheroes. Mm-hmm. It, it's a take on Siegel and Schuster and the start of comics as we know them today. But it's a pretty sweeping novel about World War II era America. I I guess I feel like this book, having not read Watchmen, has some kind of tonal... I mean, that's where I was going to go with it, is that that they're both, I would say, very difficult to adapt. I think Lindelof has shown that Watchmen can be adapted when you sort of change the rules. And the hope here is that Shaban can do the same with his own work. Because I think it's going... with, With novels like this, it's typically difficult to sort of one for one recreate what it was. Well, it's also interesting to me, uh, you know, with that context very much in mind, how it applies to what Showtime seems to be doing with their future slate. Like one of their most anticipated series of, I believe, 2020 is the Halo adaptation starring Pablo Schreiber, which is a big action video game adaptation, which, again, is going to cater to a very wide audience and a very specific demographic. We're all pointing at Leo right now. Um but I would imagine that while that is, you know, a, a broader, more populist play, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay could be, you know, again, something like Watchmen, which would gather a big audience, uh, as we've established, but also, you know, keep the prestigious brand of Showtime kind of flourishing, if you will, if we'd right. say it's flourishing now. It's doing well. They're fine. They're trying things. They're trying a lot of things. And, and I mean, I think that's what you need to do in this market. I, I am very curious whether... Whether Shavon is the person to adapt his own material, I think that since it has been like two decades now since it came out, that maybe um, taking that and reinterpreting it through a less one-for-one adaptation lens on television, he may be the perfect person to do it. Um, But I don't know. It's a very big question mark. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm also not going to hold my breath because this has been in production so many times before as a film, as a lot of different things. I do think like a limited series is the way to go with it, but we'll see. So you guys have spoken a a little bit about how early you woke up on Monday for the Golden Globe nominations. It was 5 a.m. here on the West Coast. Let's start with some of the silly stuff. On last week's pod, you guys had some predictions that I made you made you make. Some some insane predictions. And I think you were both kind of right. We were both exactly Ooh. half right, I would say. You're, you were both exactly half right. You're That's right. so true. So, uh, Libby, your prediction was that Succession would get six. I mean, I asked you for an insane... Right. I asked you for an insane prediction. I do appreciate you, like, clarifying that. Yeah. Is that, I, that, you guys, that is You guys gratifying. probably could have done real predictions and gotten stuff right. But I asked you for an insane think, prediction. I tried that. It didn't go great. Right. <laughs> insane... uh, just you. <laughs> I asked you for an insane <laughs> prediction. And Libby, you said Succession would get six nominations. It did. And it got three. It did. Which I think is probably in line with what it was probably slated. To, yeah. You know? I mean, there was definitely a, a, a universe where it picked up one or or maybe two more but yeah three is definitely it's better than they did last year when they got one mm-hmm. nomination so this is definitely an improvement um i would have loved to see them take six but uh but yeah this is this is more in line it, it was um a pleasant i don't want to say surprise it was a pleasant expectation met yeah it, it felt to me like um 
that was part of a, a, a number of things that we felt like had to happen for certain networks to be happy. Like HBO needed to see Succession gain ground at the Golden Globes this year because it had such a popular surge, you know, while season two was airing. And, and a lot of people, more people got on board. There's a lot of respect behind it, a lot of energy behind it. They want this to continue to build and, and become kind of a, a, a bigger hit, you know, for them, but also in the awards race, which, you know, it got off to a great start at the Emmys, but again, they want to see more traction uh, going into next year's race. Uh, and the same thing could be said for The Morning Show. Like, it didn't, The Morning Show didn't get, you know, a ton of nominations. It didn't get six. It didn't get five. It got three. It got Best Drama Series. Which you, got, guys, what the, you guys predicted last week. It would, it would yeah, probably get said, three. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it got what it needed to. Exactly. It got, it needed the drama series. It needed Jennifer Aniston. It also got Reese Witherspoon. Um, I'm sure there's people out there not me who are upset that Billy Crudup didn't get nominated mm-hmm. but that's a much harder race to break into to begin with so the fact that it did get its two leads and drama series is exactly what Apple needs to say or needed to be able to say look this is prestigious this is an important show uh, it's an awards contender we're in the race uh, we'll see what happens at the SAG Awards tomorrow if they can get any more ammunition there it'll be again as we've talked about a tougher road but um, also it's worth noting that Big Little Lies got exactly what it needed to in the sense that it needed to be taken seriously as a drama series after it started as a limited series won all those awards as a limited series and is trying to make the transition over it got into the best drama series race and it's uh who was it nicole kidman and meryl got in right so it also got three so like those are very important things for the networks in terms of positioning their shows as respectable serious awards contenders. Ben, you changed the subject as we were talking about Libby's prediction. You had Emma Thompson pegged as a years and years yep. nomination and and you whiffed. They went they went uh they went movie movie side and nominated her for late night. I would argue that this almost falls into the same category of what I was talking about just on the film side in that Amazon needed her to yeah. be nominated for late night. They needed the late night to get some awards recognition after its disastrous box office right. performance during the summer. Um, so they hit that quota, whereas HBO doesn't really need years and years to do anything, if anything, that could have taken nominations away for them if it, if it had happened. Uh, I just thought that, again, with an outlandish prediction, that years and years might be the kind of thing that just shows up uninvited in a way. Like, it's not like the network was pushing it down their throats, but the HFPA just can't resist something as crazy and as ambitious and, and kind of um, very much the extremist pick, like something where you love it or you kind of just don't get it. So. And global. And, right. uh, you know, there were there were a lot of elements in play that they could have, um, they could have glommed onto, but it, it seems like they were very single-minded in their focus this year, which was uh, disheartening. I mean, there's always going to be omissions, with the HFPA, but what were some of the most glaring to each of you? Uh, I mean, I'll start with the stuff that's more neutral. What was your favorite snub? <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I, well, this actually answers the same question. Like, I have no problem that Game of Thrones is not recognized as best TV drama for its final season. I definitely don't think that that season of television uh, represented the best of what 2019 had to offer. Um, so that's fine. But it is somewhat surprising to see it left off the final ticket just because it's Game of Thrones. We've gotten used to seeing it in the race. We talked about this before last week. Libby made a very good point about the Globes not always skewing toward populist picks, and we we know that they obviously try to go toward um, fresher blood. By that same token, you know, Game of Thrones never won. And um, 
a lot of times with the show, once it's over, it's done. Like it's it's dead to them. There's no need. They don't have a need to boost it anymore. They um they don't have feel a, a burden to to represent it anymore or to think about it anymore. So I think that's very much what happened with Game of Thrones. Um, plus, Although it, the Americans, right? That's why I kind of split the difference well, when I predicted it. I was like, the Americans won in a weaker year and a weaker year for the Globe standards, and the Game of Thrones felt like a bigger kind of thing that they'd want to at least include and get those stars there. But Americans, I mean, and I think I think it breaks down to like it goes back to when all is said and done, when Game of Thrones is over, are the Game of Thrones stars stars? And I think for the most part, they aren't. All right, so Ben, you're gleeful that Game of Thrones was snubbed. Um, You're so happy. I am. You're jumping for joy. What's something that really disheartened you uh, Monday morning? I mean, I can't answer this for him. I mean, we could all answer it. I mean, listeners can answer it. I think we're on the same page with a lot of the disheartening things. So I'll, I'll start with a few that I think I'm maybe the most disheartened in the group about, in which... I would have really liked to see Veep be represented in its final year. Again, we just talked about how uh, final years aren't always the Golden Globes bag. Usually they, they don't even stick around that long. Usually it's like the first year, maybe two years, maybe three at the most, and then they kind of just let it slide unless they really need you. Um, so it, it wasn't that out of left field that Veep wouldn't get in, but at the same time um, it felt like that was a show that absolutely deserved to have the continued recognition through the end of its final year, which is which is obviously in 2019. Um, I'd also say I don't think anyone anywhere expected Catherine Hahn to get nominated for Mrs. Fletcher, but boy, it would have been great if the Golden Globes would have been like, that's the show we really like. Let's shine a spotlight on that show that needs some extra viewership and some extra attention. So um, I'll start with those and then turn it over to Libby to introduce the group uh, group turmoil, if you will, the, the things that really upset us on Monday morning. So they snubbed Watchmen, mm-hmm. which is bullshit. But also, it's the Golden Globes, so I don't know how to how to weight that properly. Um, I think it is asinine that Regina King wasn't nominated. Um, especially, it, it's just like in a year where. Let me pull up the nominees. Like Anison Comer, Kidman, Witherspoon, and Coleman. Yeah, I, I mean Witherspoon spot. Yeah, basically. Like I, I don't know why you need both Aniston and Witherspoon in there. I mean, I get why it happened, but I'm not happy about it. Feels like they're still playing catch up on Killing Eve, just like the Emmys were, um, despite a disappointing second season. And then you have Nicole Kidman in there for Big Little Lies, which I don't even like thinking about the second season of that show because. It was so bad. And and like this category in a nutshell feels like a huge problem with like the HFPA at large. Like there are so many Oscar winners and regular Emmy nominees in here. And and God bless Jodie Comer. I love her. But also it's just I don't know. I don't know how Watchmen. I, I don't know how the HFPA didn't understand that if they want to be tastemakers, if they want to be kingmakers, how Watchmen isn't the show to go with here or how they didn't realize that Watchmen is the show to go with it. Yeah, it should be the shiny new object that they that pulls their attention, but for some reason it wasn't. Right. It doesn't seem like, what was the shiny new object? I don't see one. There, is there one that's... That's the thing. There, is it unbelievable? There isn't. Unbelievable is, like, it's really hard for me to think of that as, like, a shiny new object just because it had, there was so, there's been so little chatter about it beyond critical appreciation. And, and don't get me wrong, I love Unbelievable. I'm psyched that it got nominations but also 
I, I just, it's, it's not a, it's not a headline grabber. It's not something that everyone watched. It's not something that everyone discussed online. And that doesn't mean that it's not worthy, but it just felt like this year, the Golden Globes were so fixated on second, on underwhelming second seasons of shows. Um, if we were arguing, if you were, we were arguing about a shiny new something, the morning show is the closest thing. You also have the politician, which is bananas to me. Should have done better too. The fact that it I only know. got comedy series and Ben Platt instead of finding a way to get Gwyneth Paltrow in there, uh, right, doesn't make me think that it's the, it's like the, it's their shiny new toy. Right, right. It they just felt very. And this maybe sounds strange, but they felt very distracted this year. They felt very. I don't know, like they didn't have one mind about anything. Yeah, and I agree. And it 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 felt like they were checking boxes mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, and yet at the same time, it's so chaotic that it's hard to look at the like look at a list of things they'd want to make sure they included and and being like, oh yeah, that that's cohesive. That makes sense. Um, I do think that especially given the nominees in TV drama, that the morning show has the potential to be the shiny new object uh when the winners are all said and done granted it can only win two total right and unbelievable can win three which is you know great the crown could technically win three but i i don't know if the hfpa has i don't know if they feel the need to give that to the crown whereas something like the morning show they can not only be the first ones to say that this is an elite piece of television but they would be kind of the alone right alone on an island being like we're we are on this team with you like the morning show the, a lot of the people after the reviews came out within the morning show have framed this conversation about how critics just don't like apple and and they're looking at the show outside of what's happening in the show and they're really proud of the show and they don't understand why people can't see how good it is and if they make that case to the hfpa and if the hfpa feels that way then they could very well be like, well, we do get it. We're on your page, and we're going to be so on your page that it's just the two of us championing this thing, and then it ends up winning drama series. So, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's going to be, as always, a very weird Golden Globe ceremony. Um, it's going to be especially awkward after all of the problems that you alluded to already uh, when, when the ceremony actually comes down to it, and we're supposed to just be having a good time and having a party. Um, and there's so many other outside issues that people have to be thinking about. But when it comes to just the winner's list, I think it's going to be weird as well. I am very I am very excited at the thought that the morning show wins only drama series. Oh, and God, then yeah. Coleman wins actress because that could absolutely happen because who doesn't love Olivia Coleman? Yeah, who doesn't want to see an Olivia Coleman speech? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's just absolutely bananas to me. Like the thought that, you know, it doesn't get anything else. Um, it just gets drama series. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask if there was a way for whatever one drama to have a kind of dominant night, but... Yeah, but not in that category. It would have to be... Succession. Right. And then we'd have to have a Brian Cox winning Best Actor, and we'd have to have... Kieran Culkin. Kieran winning Supporting, which I guess could happen. I mean, you could have a crown night. It doesn't seem likely, but you could have a crown night. You could have a crown night. If you had Helena Bonham Carter. You'd have Helena Bonham Carter, or you have Tobias Menzies, you have Olivia Coleman, and you have the show. You could, but, like, the crown isn't... We're barely talking about the crown. Um, It's just, I... It's such a strange crop. It's not sexy enough for him. 
Not anymore. Now the Not queen's middle season. age. Um, yeah. Chernobyl could win four. It could. But <laughs> also, they don't like one. being... They, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of a way to not say this in a really crude fashion, but they don't like picking up the Emmy's leftovers. Somebody say leftovers? Doggy bag. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it, it was a disappointing, it was a disappointing crop of nominees, not because there wasn't good stuff in there, because it's great to see Rami Youssef in there. It, it, it's, it's one of only three people of color <laughs> yeah. nominated. Um, it's, it's such a strange year because I I just can't muster any outrage. It's just so disappointing. It's not even fun random. It's just a mishmash. Yeah. A lot of the stuff where it felt like, okay, well, the Globes did this already so they can let it go now came back. Like the Kaminsky method came back and I did it. Like it got three nominations. I really didn't see that happening just because yeah, it, it won two last year. Uh, it was the best comedy series, but again, they're just not that devoted to their shows in the long run. They're they're happy to crown it and and let it kind of ride right. off into the sunset with that win. And it felt like that kind of show where you know not as many people paid attention to season two. We don't know the viewership, but it, it definitely wasn't something that generated even the discussion the first season did. Um, so it felt like that would its absence would make room for a lot more exciting picks, and it wouldn't really be a problem for them to let it go and yet they they stuck with it i'd argue the same is true of like big little lies uh just because there was such a drop off there but they can't let go of a cast that good and i feel like that is a little bit the problem with kaminsky method there's no other cast on television right now that has as movie star heavy um a lineup like yeah i and i i just that's very cynical and i don't like being cynical but as i wrote about the Golden Globes and the HFPA also have a very high-profile award show they have to put on. Mm-hmm. And if everyone is freaking out about um, dropping ratings for their televised award shows, then I can see why they think that the best way to go about it is to make sure that they have a lineup of A-list celebrities there. But it 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 eats away at their credibility. Not to be too recursive on thoughts that we've espoused on this uh, podcast, but when we were speaking about Apple TV Plus eons ago, what feels like eons ago was like two months ago, uh, the idea that Apple TV Plus leaned hard into movie stars as like, this is what's going to sell us. The Golden Globes seems to operate on the same exact parameters. Like, we need movie stars no matter what. But that was why, that was why when we were talking about the morning show, that the Golden Globes were such an important facet of its life like of its existence on apple tv if it didn't get these nominations it was going to be a problem because it was very much built with them in mind like and we, I, who knows about the exact release date and the timing of it all but when you're making a show that's got steve carell and jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon and you've got apple behind you with all the money in the world you have to get globes nominations you just have to like and and this was the worst case scenario in which they could have doubted that th- that would happen, and it still did. So, yeah, it's a sh- it's a show made in a petri dish for the Golden Globes to nominate it. In a way, like it, it's definitely made to be bigger than that. But the the Globes were the safety net. The Globes were like, well, we've got those. Right. It was like we share the same ethos. Like to be rejected by the Globes would have been the ultimate failure. And really, if you want to look at it, it's a little bit of a failure that they didn't get Corellin because. Yeah. 
Carell has been nominated for eight different Golden Globes. Like he was nominated for uh, 2007 or 2007 through 2010, like five different years times for The Office. And then he got nominated for Foxcatcher, Big Short and Battle of the Sexes in consecutive years. Like it's weird that they didn't get Carell in there. And it um, might be a, a suggestion that it's not even as strong as it should be at the Golden Globes. No, that, that's why we're not saying it is like the exactly. gem of their eye. Like we're speculating maybe it could still end up being. But if Carell was in there and it had four, we'd, we'd be calling the race at this point. Well, and that that too. If Carell was in there, then Crudup would be in there. Like it's just, I feel, well, you know, maybe. 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 It's tougher to get that supporting role because it's it's mixing everything together. Very true. But like if, if they loved but it, if, if they were in there, all they... in and on it. I, I, it's just, um, yeah, and I should have, that's the other thing too. Way back, many moons ago, many months ago, when I went to that Apple Awards kickoff party, there were two major stars there. Reese was there and Jen was there. Steve wasn't there, but they were there. They were pressing the flush. They were meeting what I assume was HFPA members uh, at this very exclusive party. And they have nominations come. You got to play the Monday game. Morning. You got to play the game. You got to play it well. You got to show up in person, and then you get your Golden Globe. There are things that disappointed us about the nominations, but were there any surprises that? Is there anything that you're pleasantly surprised about? No. No. Paul Rudd for living with yourself. He got we that. Did it. He got that millions yes. of screens bump. Yes. We're we one it. for one, guys. Oh. I know we've had one guest, you and then on the spot, we're going to get you an award a nomination. Golden Globe nomination. Yeah. yeah. So no surprise, no pleasant surprises. Listen, I was. I mean, we we talked about this already. I was I was pleasantly surprised by how well Unbelievable did. We thought it would get recognition at least for Tony Collette, Merritt Weaver, one of those two. Uh, the fact that it got four nominations is fantastic. Right. Like that's exactly the kind of show that needs an award cycle to kind of keep it in the conversation and elevate that conversation and continue the conversation that it deserves to have. Uh, We have no idea how many people have seen it, obviously, Um, but it doesn't really matter. Like the idea that people are being reminded that this is important and great is a great thing. Right. I mean, I think there's plenty of people who are going to, who are just casual television viewers who for some reason want to see the Golden Globe nominations and they go through and they're like, what the hell is this Netflix show? Unbelievable! It has Tony Collette, Merritt Weaver, Caitlin Deaver in it, and it's apparently really good. And and then they go find it. But more importantly, and this is again something I wrote about a couple of weeks ago about the Golden Globes, is it's much less about the Emmy race specifically, but but it's much it is about staying in that conversation. Like it's about getting Deaver and Weaver and Collette out there doing interviews, um, continuing to do press into the Golden Globes after the Golden Globes. Um, to try and make it that long year into next Emmy season, into the 2020 Emmys. And um, honestly, Unbelievable has had such a good (laughs) stretch now of like showing up on critics' year-end lists, uh, getting nominated multiple times, not only at the Critics' Choice Awards, but now at the Golden Globe Awards. Uh, I am a little shook by it. (laughs) It makes me feel like, I, I don't know. It, like it's so great, and it's so great that it's being appreciated, and and yeah, it's very exciting. That was the thing I was most uh, surprised by that they got everyone in, um, but also also thrilled by. I mean, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to chat? Final thoughts on Globes? 
the lack of diversity in the in oh god yeah we should talk about that lack lack of diversity lack of uh equality well that's more on the movie side but no i mean but i think you can talk about it across the board one of the i mean bong joon ho got in for best director um cynthia erivo got in uh for performance by an actress in a motion picture drama but on television side there's three people of color there were no women of color um and it's 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 egregious and it's um it's offensive and it's not the kind of hollywood that we're trying to move forward with i guess well and and especially when you look at something like when they see us which um has pretty much been a serious awards contender since it was released in may and and got those 16 emmy nominations and Terrell jerome shot up the charts to beat marshall ali at the emmys um the fact that it was excluded from the limited series race is just so jarring because it seemed like such, I mean, even from a cynical perspective, such an easy way for them to be inclusive. It felt like such an easy way for them to just say, well, we'll check the box and make sure that we have these people, like this this, this important story, important story, important show, important people at our award show. Like we want this group there because they're great and and because it it obviously just fits in and to see them go with something like catch 22 which i'm not even sure if hulu was campaigning for at this stage like it, it's been out of the conversation for so long and it's also you know a, a period story so there's a lot of of white men in it but like that from a from a from a perspective standpoint looks so bad as well as the loudest voice the loudest voice was a showtime show that has Russell Crowe in it and Naomi Watts and, and plenty of other uh, known celebrities more so than, say, when they see us. And that's where you lead into the problem of being like, well, they went back to the stars. They were just like, well, we'd rather have Russell Crowe here George than, than do the right thing. And it's just like, that's an exhausting thing to see. That's that's a, that's a very embarrassing look for them to very clearly choose shows that, have, that are of lower caliber than uh, programming that is both inclusive and incredibly well-reviewed. Right. And I say that as one of the people who was, I, I thought When They See Us was great, but I wasn't its biggest champion by far. So uh, for me to be as upset about seeing those in there, I can't even imagine how everybody else felt when oh, yeah. reading those nominations. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's easy, it would be easy because, I, I don't know, because Unbelievable is from Netflix, it would be easy to be like, oh, well, that took When They See Us's spot, but it didn't because those so many of the strongest performances in when they see us were um from actors so you know when you're dealing with all actresses on unbelievable that's different but like catch 22 really and loudest voice really like even if you're trying to tell american stories or or, or honor american stories like it's just it it boggles it boggles the mind yeah, and, um, and again, like the the Gerald Jerome part of it is just yeah. so like one to one problematic because it's it is Russell Crowe that takes the spot. Like you've got Sam Rockwell and Jared Harris, so they're clearly you know nominating people who are nominated for Emmys. They're okay with that for certain groups. It's but not Jarrell, the winner is bumped out by Chris Abbott, Sasha Baron Cohen, and Russell yeah. Crowe, who are I mean I don't, Chris Abbott's not a bigger star, but it's I because really George Clooney sits in the same ro- row as him and gets to present an award. That's absolutely what it is. That's absolutely what it is. And like, it sucks to say that. Stop. Guys, should we do wakeboarding with Ann Dowd? Yay! I thought-
thought we cut that segment. No, we still do it from time to time. I love that story. Only when it's an emergency. Uh, do we have any leftovers adjacent ephemera to talk about on the pod? I don't. We you already don't? mentioned Mrs. Fletcher, so. Well, I think there's one big thing we can let listeners know. Let's mm-hmm. see. Which is that our next podcast will feature an interview with Damon Lindelof. What? Yes. Wow. You guys. Who? What? Showrunner. Creator of HBO's Watchmen, The Leftovers, Lost. Oh, him. Yes. I Googled it. I heard Leftovers, and then it all made sense. Well, it made sense. <laughs> Ben's unfamiliar with Otherwise, the rest of his work. It, ma- it made sense why it was in Wakeboarding with Anne Dowd. Sorry. Well, Nash Bridges? That too. Nash Bridges. Nash Bridges. Uh, well, it's the end of the pod. <laughs> And we do what we do every week when we ask Libby, do you have a show on Quibi yet? No. There was news that Quibi like fired a higher a high ranking <laughs> like one of their uh, yep. their people this week. We know why. Yeah. Oh no, do we? Oh yeah. Oh, can we say it on the podcast? Oh sure. What is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, because they didn't give me a goddamn show. <laughs> I assume. Because they didn't give Libby a show yet. We've been talking about this for nine weeks. No, I'm, eight I'm, weeks. Yeah. No, like. It the timing is not three and a, a half coincidence. years. Well, Jeff and <laughs> Jeff and Meg, Jeff and Meg should give us a call. I'm, we I've, can get we can I've make this happen. I've gotten a few people have reached out from Quibi to me recently, so I'd say that we're in the the uh, pre-negotiation stage. Okay. Ben is my manager. Uh, Millions of Screens is a production of Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brideson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at A Million Screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers. Hey, have you gotten your Twitter handle yet? Uh, I think the, the Ben Travers... Is holding on to it. Yeah, he's been active within the last, what was it, three years? Oh. Five years? Well, I don't think so. It's still, it's still Ben T. Travers, but eventually maybe it'll be at Ben Travers. Don't hold your breath. And at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. So please leave a review. It helps, I think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo Remind you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. Shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>